Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. One of the hottest sports personalities in the game right now, Bleacher Report's very own Adam Lefko joins the boys to talk about his career and a whole lot more. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. The charity stripe hit your free throws cuz they have free so 245 coming hot at you guys and so 244 and i'm flanked on my left and on my right by absolutely no one because we are being safe and quarantining nikki snacks Krida, and alex toss me the rock tosopolis are both on the show though of course and we have an awesome guest as you heard in the introduction adam lefko is joining us um couldn't have asked for a better interview. Uh, the guy, the great opinions, great views on a lot of different topics. We touch on a bunch of different things, a plethora, if you will. His career, the Lance Armstrong doc. Uh, we get into Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, uh, LeBron, Michael Jordan, but in, in different ways we really haven't gotten into them on the show. Uh, so very exciting. At the end, he gives some NFL predictions. Um, so without further ado, let's not waste any more time listening to me blab. Let's get into the show with Lefko. Enjoy. All right, everybody. You heard it in the introduction. We have Adam Lefko joining the boys. You know him from Bleach Report, the Lefko Show, Lefko with Sims, and now NBA Tuesday nights on TNT. I got to know, man. When, how does it go from young guy at Syracuse to you're doing local TV in Kentucky, which hindsight 2020 looks like a kind Nebraska of Nebraska first. Nebraska first. Sorry, correct. I was me. in Nebraska. I was in Hastings, Nebraska for two years. Jesus. As a general assignment news reporter, one man band, shot my own stuff, edited my own stuff. I made 18.5. Wow. And I got to raise my second year to 19.5. Wow. Then Kentucky for three and a half years. And then I've been at Bleacher for about six and a half. And now, yeah, sitting next to Shaq. Now you're sitting next to Shaq. (laughs) Yeah, that which is just like any kid's dream. Uh, You know what? There's so many times, though, you have to bet on yourself. If you could kind of just highlight a few moments of that where there was times where, you know what, you you put all the chips on you, in a sense. Some really major key points there in those little moments. 
And those are like, all right. So first, so it's like interesting because I think I kind of came up at the change in media in terms of like traditional. So like I'm, I'm born in 86, Mm -hmm. I'm 34 now. Damn it. And, uh, (laughs) look good. But I came up reading the newspaper every day. Yeah. And then, you know, I graduated in 08. That's the same year that Twitter kind of started popping off. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Facebook for me really started getting big in 2005, like my freshman year of college. So yeah. I saw this kind of change happening, but I was still in the era of you got to go to small markets like Nebraska and pay mm-hmm. your dues. And I'm super happy I did because it allows you to make a mistake in front of such a small audience. You know what I mean? Like, Totally. Getting on TV and messing up and, and eating your words. And you're, who saw that? Nobody. So who cares? But first one would be going to Nebraska to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't for sports. It was to be a news reporter. And they'd let me do high school football on Fridays. And the benefit that I got from that was all of my friends were partying in Manhattan. And I was in the middle of Nebraska. And the whole time it was I was either working or I was figuring out how I was going to advance my career. So like I would go to work for those eight hours, putting together a story or whatever. And then I would go home and I would have like all of these papers across my apartment. Might be enjoying a daddy's cigar or watching yeah. Justified or something at the time. But at the same point, it's like, what markets could I go to next? What do I need to work on for my resume tape? So just going there was the first one because like, in my mind, I didn't want to go to a small market and then give up. It was sort of like, if you're going to do it, yeah, you're going to get into TV. Everyone's going to say, okay, are you going to be national? Right? Like, are you going to yeah. be on ESPN? So that right. was the first one. Then um, to go to Louisville, I was a, still a news reporter. And they wanted to move me eventually to morning news anchor because they said, man, your career wow. is going to fly. Because there wasn't a lot of, this is what they told me. Yeah. So this isn't my words. There's not a lot of straight guys doing morning news. I didn't know. I don't believe that. That's just what they told me. That's an interesting so I was like, okay. That's an interesting statement. Yeah. I didn't, I'm not aware of that stereotype. Neither did, it's just what agents, like I had an agent tell me that. Like yeah. she's like, I can get you to Philly tomorrow. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I had to tell that agent, I had to tell the news director and the agent at different times that. I do not want to go to news and I'm betting on myself to go to sports. And they'd be like, but look at ESPN. All they're all white guys. That doesn't matter. I was like, yeah, but like, I don't look at it like that. Like I'm, I'm just looking at it as like me versus everybody. Like I don't care what anybody is. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a bet on one where I could have kept going and rose faster in news, but I was like, I'm doubling down on sports. I just have more fun doing it. Um, I'll give you a, I'll give you like two more. Three was, me and Sims, when we first started doing videos, we would do like 20 to 30 videos a day for the Bleacher Report app. Jesus. And we would do the three X factors for the Tampa Bay Bucks and the three X factors for the yeah. New York Giants. And we would have to do, it would be whole days. And in between sets, in between takes, we would just talk. And uh, this one producer, Josh, uh, now at Overtime, was like, you guys should do a podcast. And at the time, podcasts were not that big. And some people there didn't want to, us to do it. So we were only allowed to do the podcast on our free time. So we would get done our day of shooting. And then I'd go Sims, just come over there for 45 minutes. And I knew in my head it was going to be an hour and a half. Yeah, we're just right. going to do a quick podcast. <laughs> and he'd go, what's the point of this? Like nobody, like nobody's supporting it. Nobody's seeing it. And, and me and Josh would be like, 
in the long run, this is what we want to do. So let's just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And eventually it'll become a thing, which is like a very scary thing. Cause you're like, Dude, totally. I think it's going to become a thing, but it doesn't matter if I think it's going to become a thing. And it became a thing, which was cool. Um, and then it's always about, it's, it's a, uh, first it's about figuring out in my mind, if you think that you have good sense, yeah. because some people need advice. And some people, you can kind of see it. And then also looking at other people and not just taking advice. It's almost like who here has either done things that I haven't been able to do or can see things that I can't see and then listen to them. And uh, I don't like to listen to people that I think are talking out of fear or if they go, that's ah, going to be a lot of work. I immediately don't listen to them. Yeah. Because it's like, who are you to tell me how much I can and can't work? Like, that's crazy. Dude. Um, and, but I, I would say those are like three or four times where I've definitely feel like it's been like I'm all chips all in type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, you kind of have to be in this industry because there's so many people wanting to do it and it's going that extra mile. I think we found, I mean, you bring up Chris Sims. I mean, we, we, we started our podcast under our long, me just under the Longhorn blanket, you know, two and a half years ago. Cause we're all Longhorn alums. Yeah. So he's our, he's our guy over there. And it's just That's about, awesome. yeah, man, oh yeah, we're huge UT guys. And it's just about, have you been down to Austin yet? I have. Oh, I've been down for, for a few bachelor parties and a few oh, good times. Nice, Austin man. is like, it's always bachelor a bachelor party, party hot spot. Yeah. It's good. I would just say it's one of the few cities where I feel like dogs outnumber humans, which is like an yeah. incredible quality for a city. Mm -hmm. um, I think Sims is honestly such a good example of the pushing forward. Like, we used, I used to read comments. He doesn't, he didn't have the internet, like Twitter, or social media for a long time. Yeah. And the, he would just get destroyed and it would be people being like, Oh, you sucked. Oklahoma killed you. You flamed down the NFL, like all this stuff. Yeah. But then I would talk to him and I was like, you know, so much that we, I just told him for a long time, just like, put your head down. Let's keep making stuff. And eventually they're going to realize that you know what you're talking about. And I think for him, it really happened when Dan Lebetard had him on to do his top 50 quarterbacks. And it's preparation leads to production. Like he studies the game so much. We did so many videos over the years that he was able to get on there every day and kill it. And that built him up to the point where like he got big and now he's on the the biggest pregame show for the NFL Sunday night in America. And Deservedly I so. Yeah. He's good, man. He's got it. I think I enjoy, I Jeff definitely enjoyed listening to him. Uh, it's all real. Yeah. None of it's for attention. Yeah. You could see it. I mean, we, we were down at radio row and he's like moving around and he's one of the guys that you can see is just like cool. Like he got an interview, I think to the table next to ours. And he was just super real and just supernatural. Good guy. Did you get to say what up to him? Yeah, we dapped him up. We he okay, didn't good, he didn't have good. time to jump us in this time, but he was. Uh, we spoke about Austin a little bit, which was cool. Uh, he gave you the handshake where he goes, and yeah. then he goes, "Be good, be good." It's funny. Josh says, "Be good to people too." So yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's blonde-haired Austin dudes. Uh, it just runs in the blood. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, there's now. What was the moment for you? Like you see that you say that Libertard moments, that's that, that, that moment for him was where he belonged, you know, kind of made his statement. What was that moment for you where you're like, you know what? I actually have some staying power because I know you're betting on yourself and I know you think you can do it. But what's that gratifying moment? You're like, OK, that allows you to be up there with Shaq, D-Wade and Candace Parker and lead that team. 
you know, because you're the new Ernie man over there on Tuesday nights. Uh, that's crazy. Which is crazy. That, and it, it was crazy to hear what he well, had to say it, about you too, by the way, which was a great video. That was awesome. Yeah. It's, um, it's like really humbling because I did get to spend an entire day with Ernie years ago when mm -hmm. I first got to Bleacher Report after I did that whole Seinfeld cast, Russell cast thing. Yeah. And we were presenting an award together. So we both had to get there hours early and we both were just like talking and he's like, man, that Seinfeld thing you did was so fun. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, man, you're the goat. Yeah. Like, really? Like when I, when I tell you I was getting ready for Tuesday nights and I would just sit there on Thursdays and I would just watch him. I'm not even look. I'm not even looking or listening to Barkley. I'm not even looking or listening to anybody else. And I'm just sitting the way that he listens. And because a lot of times when you're on silence is scary. You're like, Oh no, I'm losing it. And you want to fill in those gaps. Yeah. And he's just, so, I'm still trying to get there. He's so comfortable just going and then turning. And it, it gives him this level of calmness that allows everybody else to be calm. Like it just kind of spreads out. I, I was actually watching this morning, Joe Rogan did an interview with Kevin Hart. And he asked Kevin Hart, what did you think? And it, he gave up one comedy special and then Kevin kind of flipped it and was like, Joe, you just signed this massive deal with Spotify. Like you, you worked and, and now the big payoff. And Joe was like, I don't, I don't look at it like a payoff. Like I'm just doing what I love to do every day. And then those things kind of happen. Mm -hmm. The, the, the Seinfeld cast, WrestleCast, RapCast was a moment for me that took me from I'm a local guy to there's something different about this guy that maybe he could go national. And that's when I went to Bleacher Report. Mm -hmm. And that was important because, man, when you're on local TV, it's shirt, tie, suit, three minutes talking about whatever. You all look the same. Oh, so yeah. for me to kind of break out and then for me, for me mentally, it was I never want to go back. Like I, I bar backed all through college. I, um, I was like a bouncer and like I worked, my dad does refrigeration one summer. I cleaned ice machines and like doing that kind of stuff. And then telling my dad about how my day went and like feeling like I could go, man, they booked me an interview for tomorrow that I don't even want to do. Like this is my show and I don't want, and he'd be like, you can come home and clean ice machines. And I was like, fuck. Cause it's that realization like, Dude, like, yeah. okay, I got to talk to somebody for 15 minutes. Um, in terms of when I, I thought that I could, I had the confidence that I could really do it yeah. was the first match when I'm sitting next to Samuel L. Jackson, Pat Perez and Charles Barkley. <laughs> and there's that moment where like, you realize I'm going to say something to Samuel L. Jackson. And if he just goes, mm, I don't really mess with you. I'm going to talk to Charles over here. Like, that's going to kill me. But instead we were like vibing and hitting it off so strong that for me, I mean, who's cooler than Samuel L. Jackson. It's, it's so you, you just get to a point where like right before I go, yeah, like he's the best. Yeah. And so I like, this is just it, for me, I did a pregame show for the match on Sunday and there was a moment and I hadn't been in front of a, a studio in a while where they're in my ear and they're going eight, seven, six and like i see the camera guy like shift his weight yeah and then like i see like a light get a little bit brighter and it was very weird like i like i kind of had a calm come over me and i was like let's fucking go yeah and i think you either you either crave that and i i have found there's a lot of power when the light goes on 
it's sort of like the, the old joke when you're running away from a vampire, you don't got to be the fastest. You just don't got to be the slowest. Mm-hmm. It's like looking around on set and being like, all right, maybe you're a little bit nervous. I'm not, ner- I, I got it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and trying to, and every time that a camera comes on, if you're on it, own it and just be in that zone. Yeah. So, well, you talk, you, you brought up the Seinfeld cast. What was kind of the, the impetus behind that? And did you know, like, were you looking at it as an opportunity to, to kind of, for that virality to take it national? I was looking at it as a way to take back my creativity. Okay. Because when you are doing a local sports cast, no matter what city you're in, if it's New York or if it's Albuquerque or if it's the in 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 Alaska, you right now, I did at least. I felt as though I was doing a sports cast for people that weren't on Twitter and I was just telling them what happened on Twitter that day. And it was eating me alive because I was like, I like to tell stories. I want to have fun. Mm -hmm. And here I am being like, here's what happened earlier today if you missed it. And I was just like, this is awful. And so for me, it was taking the power back and thinking if I was a 20, at the time, 25-year-old kid in Louisville, Kentucky, what could Adam do to get me to watch the news? And for me, it was hey guys, I'm going to do a thing about wrestling. Tweet me some of your favorite wrestlers and I'll get it on. And then maybe if someone's watching and they submitted The Rock and I go, and Louisville lays the smackdown on Kentucky, they'd be like, I said The Rock. And maybe, because I wasn't thinking national, I was like, I just want to be cool with Louisville. Like at that time, I reached out to 10 agents. Nine of them wrote me back and said no. One of them said I'm sorry, we're not interested. Like one of them actually responded. Yeah. Um, no other markets were responding to my tapes. And at that time I was like, I think I might go into radio. I just reached a point where I was like, there's no creativity here. I can't handle it. Totally. And so, so really it was from like a very pure standpoint of like, how can I connect with an audience and make this a one-way conversation to a two-way without pandering and going, I put a poll up on my Twitter account and 52%. It's like, who cares right. about polls? Like, right. like, get the hell out of here. Um, and then uh, to do it, I, I just treated it like a Mad Lib where I I did a real, real sports cast, wrote it all out. And then I took the references and just kind of filled it in. Mm. Um, but that was that was some, some craziness. But it was really done from a, a pure space, which is why... Anytime you're looking to go viral, like anytime someone's sitting there and and you see them tweeting and they're like, what if I do? It's always the one that you're not expecting it because it's coming from that real place. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And we see that with interviews all the time. We'll sit down for an interview with somebody and it's not like an NFL player or it's not like a guy that's played in the show. And we're like, all right, you know, it's a local reporter kind of deal. And then I remember we had one of those moments and it was like, whoa, this guy knows his stuff. He's funny. He's game to talk about whatever. And that kind of just changes the game. It's always like the interviews or the guests you have that kind of blindside you in a sense. And it's never the thing yeah. you think it'll take you over the top that does in a way. Never. Yeah, like I didn't know Tuesdays were going to happen. Yeah, how did that happen? It's funny too, like um, as, as you guys do your grind and like yeah. we're all going on this path, um, there will be different points where certain people around you are impressed. And not everyone is impressed by the same shit. 
Like your mom is going to be impressed very early on. Yeah. Like right now she's like, you have a show on YouTube. I'm going to tell all my friends and she's one, she's one over and it's done. But for some of your friends, it's seeing you on screen with somebody else that's impressive to them. Oh, yeah. now you made it. But in your head, you're going, nothing changed. You know, I got done interviewing Tom Brady and they didn't come out and give me a plaque and up my salary. And so it's this weird dichotomy between people celebrating you, but you go and I have so much more to do right now. Like I haven't even really started. That's funny. Um, and then also like, you're going to think things are more important than they do. Like they're going to be like, what's so important? You're like, well, we had a really clean podcast and we had really good fan engagement and like people yeah. showed up and like, and so it's the different wins for different people. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's like that in any situation too, even with athletes, you know, like there's guys who, you know, get drafted in the first round and they're not done working until, you know, they get that second contract. They're not done working until they get that Super Bowl or that MVP. You know, it's, it's like that with anything. It's like that. Emmett it's Smith wild commercial. that where you're drafted can completely change your work ethic. Oh yeah. And I think it's so interesting. My, I'm an Eagles fan. Jalen Rager gets drafted by the Eagles. I think he thought he was going to be maybe going in the second round. He goes in the first round. And for sometimes you get drafted in the first round and there's like this complacency where it's like, they see it. Mm -hmm. They see how good I can be. And that can be dangerous because, mm -hmm. uh, but because unfortunately my video kind of spread of me saying it was a bad pick and I yeah. was not intending that. Dude, that like talk wild. about like not intending it and yeah. then seeing it everywhere and be like, shit. Because that happened now, instead of being like, I'm comfortable as a first round pick, now Jalen's in his head going, people are doubting it. I got to prove those people wrong. Massive and so chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and that's with everything. I think the scariest thing for me is when they announce something successful for you, where I was going to do for March Madness, I was going to be the disembodied voice that gave you updates yeah. on CBS and all that. So it would have been like, whatever their noise is. Uh, take a look at this out there in Tuscaloosa. Tennessee's got a six-point lead over Gonzaga. We'll keep you updated as it gets closer. Back to Jim Vaskersian or whatever it is, Matt <laughs> and, and And when that got announced, people were like, congratulations. Like, that's amazing. And so you're getting all that dopamine. But in my head, I'm like, that first day is like a 14-hour work day, and I'm getting congratulations, and I haven't even done it yet. Yeah. And so I can either coast into it and be like, oh, yeah, everyone's already going to say I'm going to do a good job, or you can kind of put it in your brain and go, let me, let me shatter the fuck out of this mm -hmm. so yeah. that people can go, I knew it. And it's – I don't know if I can curse. I kind of went really Of course you that can. One. Bro, yeah, okay. you can. That one of our rules is say whatever the fuck you want, man. You're good to go. Okay, good. <laughs> But I think, uh, like, I learned that I produced a documentary when I was in Kentucky about yeah. the Louisville-Kentucky rivalry. Mm -hmm. And it's very humbling to start a GoFundMe and to look at your Twitter followers and go, if each of them donate five bucks, we're going to hit it. And then you get done your first day and you're sitting there at a few hundred and you're trying to raise 40K. And you go, maybe people don't fuck with me like I think they do. Yeah. And that's a very humbling experience. But I think it's so important to get those moments so that when, when, when you do meet people and they do give you that real praise, it feels more warranted. Yeah, you know? totally. You got to take those lumps a bit and there's definitely moments. Oh. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. We're like, Oh no, our downloads were down from last week. Do people think we suck all of a sudden, you know, is this over? And then the next week it's like back to normal. You're like, all right, dude, just like, you know right. what? 
Take a breath. Keep. Doing I think. What you're well, doing. you guys, like you know, with your athletic backgrounds, like you understand that statistics are not indicative of success all the time. No. You know, like how, how many times do I need to see a wide receiver go to a team with a bad quarterback, and we call the wide receiver a bust? And I'm like, whoa. Your coaching staff sucks. Your offensive line is weak. Your quarterback can't read the field, but let's blame the wide receiver. Yeah. And it, it's like those statistics are subjective. So I, I think I, I was reading this. I finished this book today called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's all about like 1% getting better and like tracking what you do. So you actually know if you're getting better. And he was talking about the 86 Lakers and Pat Riley. They lost in 85. And he started this notion of they tracked everyone's statistics and gave it to everybody and said, this is your, your season. This is what you can produce. This is your expected production. I need 1% better in everything. And then every week they would kind of go through and check it because when you're in it, you lose track of what your goals are. Yeah. If they're there in front of you, you don't get distracted by, Oh, you know what? I'm going to go network at the bar or, you know what? I need to, I need to do some Instagram. It's like, does that really align with your goals? Does that shit actually yeah. matter? Yeah. And um, it's annoying and it sucks because there's nobody that wants to light up and watch Netflix more than me. Nobody. Yeah. And it's just not, it's just not for who like I'm, I'm it's just fucking me up later. Yeah, it totally. I mean, unless something really good comes on, we're we're rarely Netflix guys unless I walk into a room and I see some like too hot to handle going on and then we're glued to the TV with these reality shows. See, I'm like I like abstract. Like I'm I'm a little bit that nerdy. It's like uh they had one about like a Dutch engineer and they had one about uh T uh Tinker Hatfield, the dude that designed all the Jordans. Okay. And I don't I don't watch them as much for entertainment. I watch them steal things. So for me, like when they went into like Tinker Hatfield studio, I was like, what does this guy put in his studio? Like, what does he surround himself with for creative foster, like good energy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Some, like if I go and watch stand up comedy, I'm the worst audience member. You could tell the funniest joke and me thinking it's hilarious is me going, that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of my, because I'm looking at, how does Jerry Seinfeld use the mic stand? Yeah. yeah. What's he doing with the mic cord? And I, I don't, I don't know. I'm a little bit weird like that. Sometimes yeah. I need to just cut. That's why I like Rick and Morty. Cause that's when I'm like, oh, I, I love really Rick know. and Morty. Yeah, yeah. I'm just enjoying it. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like any creative, like if they're watching another totally. creative do like their that. thing, that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. There's, there's that kind of like, how do they, what's their process? Like, yeah. and like appreciate rather than like laughing at the joke, it's appreciating yeah. what he's doing. And it's like, I know why that worked. Well, yeah. all three of us are all three of us are, are actors out here in LA. And I remember when I was in college, I'd like watch movies with my girlfriend and I'd be like analyzing like the lighting and like the, the acting and the writing. And she's like, like, why are you analyzing all of this? So I'm like, because yeah. like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is yeah. my life. Like film is what I want to do for a living. And I'm sorry. I can't just stand by and just watch the story and get, captured. I took, I, gotta an, I took an interpretation of film class in college and it, it, I don't want to say it's ruined movies for me, but like, you know, when you sit there and you're looking at framing and then you're, you're looking yeah. at uh, like foreshadowing and the use of sound and, and you're, you're sitting there and you, everyone in the movie theater is like, don't go in that door. And you're like, man, look at the way they framed it right in the yeah, middle. Like so like all of your focus. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely changes you with that. Totally. I mean, we, yeah, we watch movies 
I mean, try, try to enjoy them, but there's so many times I'm like looking for character choices, and I'm like, all right, I got to take a step back and pick and choose. That's why I like sports docs. I haven't started, but I'm stoked to see the Lance one. Have you seen that yet? I watched about 15 minutes, Uh-oh. and I think my my thing was I think I was coming so hard off the last dance in yeah. that time spot yeah, space. that when it came on, and it's interesting. I think personally, I just suffered Lance fatigue. I just think that like during that time with the Livestrong bracelets, like people don't remember how omnipresent that man, like he was everywhere. I, I had and one of my then, too. Yeah. I had, I had a ton and I saw what I saw the, the one part of the first episode where it's like, when did you start doing steroids? And he said something effective, like before I was 21. And I was like, wait, so you're telling me the entire run, like it wasn't just like rehab and, um, it's weird because I usually like um, anti-heroes. Those are usually my favorite characters. Like I usually yeah. joke, I like the story of Marcus Vick more than Michael Vick. And then Michael Vick became an anti-hero. Yeah. I, like the Tony Sopranos and the Omars from The Wire. Um, but there's something about Lance Armstrong that just doesn't sit well with me because I know it, it's like this weird, crazy conversation of the amount of money and awareness that he brought to the fight against cancer. And at the same time, in a sport that is all about endurance and strength, like, and it's like the limits of the human body to like put something in you that taints that. It, I think it's such a deep conversation that I haven't, I still haven't figured out how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. So I just get uneasy. Because yeah. I know all the good he did. It's Chappelle had a whole stand up about um, he rapes, but he saves. And it's like right. this Bill Cosby. Yes, the Bill Cosby <laughs> one. And it was, it's like, what do you do if it's just such a conundrum that my brain can't handle it? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I think I've talked to at least three people within the last couple of weeks that have talked about the whole Lance Armstrong thing, even before the documentary came out. And they're all like, man, like, I think that might've been one of the biggest, like the biggest scandal in sports. Like there's, there's something about it where it's just like, it's so different than everything else. Cause it's one guy, you know, it's not like, listen, we'll see the Maguire Sosa yeah. thing in a few, but we had Palmero, we had chef, we had bonds, obviously in the rocket, you know, we have all these guys in the steroid scandal with baseball. So there's Griffey, like, <laughs> dude, come on, man. Yeah. That's yeah. there's like, you know, there's all these scandal guys. And so we could kind of like, okay, look at that as a whole, but there's one guy that enables one sport and he represents one thing. And if he's not in cycling, most of us don't really know what cycling is in America without Lance Armstrong. Yeah. And he's a hero. I mean, that, yeah, that sport is about the triumph of the human will. By the way, I was saying Ken Griffey, as in all of those motherfuckers were roided up and that dude's he beautiful swing. Yeah. They're still cranking in the 50s and 60s, motivated by just him and his pops, which he, was amazing. He's the best yeah, player but, ever. Seriously. No, oh, no doubt. I think also... Um, he might be the biggest star. I just think that with the backwards hat and how cool he was and in the last dance, yeah, the fact that Jordan was like going up and trying to get like Griffey's autograph and like hanging out with him, like pure. But yeah, Lance Armstrong, cycling is the triumph of the human will. I'm going to keep pedaling harder and longer than you are. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, if, if you found out, you know, like, that's why sometimes I look at the Michael Phelpses of the world and I get more impressed because I'm like, that motherfucker didn't even want to swim. Yeah. Like yeah, he right? hated it and was like, I'm still going to smash your face. I'm just going to go get high on my couch. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Bit- like 
doing bong rips and then winning the butterfly 400 like nuts okay the thing about michael phelps is people get surprised when they heard about the whole weed thing every single swimmer that went to my high school was the biggest pothead i don't know why people get surprised about that but like i don't think people realize how isolating swimming is and how alone you are in your formative years for long periods of time. You are face down in a pool for hours a day, <laughs> hours a day. That's so true. And, you're, really and, and think about it, it. Phelps, yeah. Phelps was born with the perfect swimming body. Oh, yeah. So every day people are coming up to you and they're going, you're so lucky. You get to do what you do. You were born for this. And then you go, and you go into your fucking head in the pool doing a repetitive action. And it's been proven that like the reason you get good ideas in the shower is because you're doing things that you don't have to think about. Right. And so with swimming, Phelps doesn't have to think about a turn. He doesn't have to think about his breathing. Like that man, it's so automated. The only thing he has is four hours of stuck in his head. And then we wonder, I wonder why Michael Phelps has health, mental health issues. It's like the motherfucker's been overthinking for two decades. Yeah. It's, to me, it's just, we, we don't think about the athlete's mentality. Like I say this all the time. People go, man, that athlete really let himself go after he retired. I go, his men, he, he just died. Like who he was as an identity just died. Totally. He's no longer walking in and, oh, he's an athlete. No, now he used to be. And he's never had to think that before. And so I just don't, people don't think about the human elements. We, we use people for what they give us. And then we go, I wonder why mentally they're not right. It doesn't make sense. If I could ask yeah. you about saw, we, mental. We Sorry, saw that a lot. Us. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, we saw that a lot when we were at Radio Row. Half the guys that are, you know, coming out of the league are, are walking around talking about their new bit, their new business venture, whatever it may be. A lot of it is CBD, honestly, products. Yes that these guys have gotten into yeah Um, there are a lot of advocates for cbd for sure yeah yeah with just the mental health space in in general it's It's interesting uh two things one i think brian curtis the ringer had a really good article last year about the different days and the quality of like athletes that are walking around at radio row since you guys experienced it yeah like the tuesday before it's like the local guys and the lesser known guys because people need interviews and Wednesdays, it's sort of like, oh, wow, is that Cordell Stewart? And then Thursday, it's like, oh, there's Brett Favre. And it's like crying days. It's really depressing to see an athlete that used to be able to get on camera whenever he wanted. And now people are like, I'm okay. I don't want to talk to you, which is just a wild experience for them. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. But I also think all these athletes are, are promoting CBD, and I totally get it. But what they're not saying is the reason they like CBD is because Toradol in the NFL is like this drug that like nobody wants to talk about. That when they talk about getting injected, they put this thing in your body that completely numbs you. And you go out there and you can run through a brick wall. And then three days later, you're a mess. And it's all because you numbed your body. And it's like CBD. So it's like they're trying to find a positive without going, we got screwed yeah for my entire playing career nobody really cared about me and i it's i i get sadder and sadder and it's partially the reason why for the last two years i've asked we've gotten to not be on radio row i i don't enjoy it i think radio row is one of my least favorite places on earth 
That's um, interesting. It's really cool when you're getting started. Yeah. Because uh, you're getting to see everything. Yeah. But after a while, like people grabbing people and trying to talk to them and like uh, yeah, people coming like PR people being I like, I really think you'd like to talk to my person. Like he invented the cocktail weenie. And you're like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think it's, you brought up that Brian Curtis article. It's really funny. We're actually, our podcast is mentioned in that article as our first press hit we ever got. Yeah. Was, was That's Kyle us. Turley coming up to yeah. us and, and he asked Kyle Turley what he was doing. And he was like, I was just on some podcast with these two guys and it's talking <laughs> yeah, about it's us. us. That's actually hilarious. That's that you, it's so funny. Yeah. That is so Universe funny. Yeah. Universe shit. Universe shit. Full circle, baby. Yeah. If we wow. could turn to a positive here though, um, talk about <laughs> mental. Cause we saw Michael kind of, I think that was the biggest thing for me in the last dance, kind of going back to that, what you mentioned before was, you know, I was a young kid, so I didn't really experience what Michael Jordan was. Now I understand knowing athletes and, and, and having that mindset of like, wow, you know, this was tough for this guy. And I, I saw the Tiger Woods, you know, the, this is ESPN kind of commercial where there's everyone following him. And that just hit me different last night when I saw it somewhere. And I was like, wow, that, that's a lot. There's people following him all the time. What was something surprising from the last dance that you saw? Because you, you experienced that whole thing. So um, I was reading, I think it was Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. And yeah. he kind of gives lessons through people's stories. And I didn't know how Tiger Woods was raised. And it really messed me up that I didn't know that his dad was like a green beret. And like most of his infancy was like being put into a high chair in front of his dad as his dad just like swung golf clubs. And like Tiger apparently like six months in slid down, picked up a club and hit like a perfect hit. <laughs> but like his dad used to throw things at him and curse at him and call him like the N word. And like, we try and, and he trained tiger as if he were in the green berets. And that's why tiger is so mentally tough. That's why when you're watching the match and you're seeing Phil laughing and Brady joking and Peyton laughing and tigers hitting fairways. And, so and then we wonder why he was reaching out and try like, he would go on tour with his dad and his dad would be cheating on his mom in a different hotel room. Like that's how tiger was raised. And we wonder why he did. And it's like, come on guys. Like yeah. you just, you don't think about the mentals, but I will say this about the last dance. I, I want another last dance. I want a last dance told from the rest of the bulls because when Horace Grant comes out and says the things that he did about Michael lying, about so many of the other players coming out, the fact that Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson have turned down all media requests, I totally understand that the victor goes the spoils. And when you're the winner, you get to tell the story however you want it. Yeah. But I thought they sugarcoated a lot of Michael's shit and made it all seem like a winning attitude. And I also think that... He put down Scotty Pippen and some of those guys in a way that, like, I really didn't fucking appreciate. Like, oh, not only time. this was called The Last Dance, it was about the 97 season, and they spent more time on a year in which Jordan wasn't there when Scotty didn't play that one time than any of Jordan's stuff. Not only that, that pizza story was fucking bullshit. There is no way that that story didn't come out for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, yep. Five pizza guys, Jordan spit on it. He ate the whole thing and it was food poisoning. You were probably drunk. Like, come on. I just, I, there's a lot of stuff in there that wasn't that believable to me, yeah. but it's very interesting to see his mindset 
and how singular it was. And I think that when you have somebody that leads like that, everybody else's roles get very defined because yeah. you're just going around it. I thought the thing, though, that I really enjoyed the most uh, about it, uh, Josh, was seeing him facing the Celtics and stuff in the 80s because I got to experience that second three-peat. Yeah. That's really when I knew what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. But everybody would tell me he was so different that Larry and Magic would see him and they were like, he's the future. And I was like, how different was he than those guys? And then when they showed that one game where he dropped like 60 in the yeah. garden, yeah. and he had that one play where he's like, tween, 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 and Larry Bird is like, oh, 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 oh. even the way he went up for a layup, like it looked like everybody was playing 2K and he was playing like real life. And yeah. um, I don't want to live my life like that, but it was very impressive to see somebody live their life like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to your episode with Charles and I thought like what you were just talking about, how like that's what came across in the, in the doc was like the very singular mindset and that he's more like, like Kobe is more like him in that regard. And LeBron's more like magic, which I think like, to me, the more as like a basketball appreciator and fan, the more I look at it, the more that resonates with me. And it becomes almost impossible to compare Jordan and LeBron from that right. in that in that sense, which is yeah. Also the fact that Charles has never like watched Netflix was ridiculous. I was Oh I was, my god. I was <laughs> eating that up. I was laughing so much about Jeez, that. I but think not surprised though. That's crazy. The one thing I will say about like the Jordan, Kobe, LeBron thing. Yeah. Is if we're doing a scale, not of talent, but in the way in which, oh, hold on a second. Somebody's calling me back. Um, the If we do a scale of like the amount that they're probably enjoying life, LeBron is on one side, Jordan is on the other side, and Kobe's in the middle. In terms of like being well-rounded. Right. And to me, I did get a little bit sad thinking about Kobe because I think what Kobe did was going to be perfecting what Jordan started, which was while I'm playing, I am a singular focused killer that will break every record, shatter every record book and win as many titles as possible. But what Kobe did when he retired, instead of surrounding himself with friends and, and, and letting that and keeping his circle very tight, Kobe went on that world tour of asking people for help. Yeah. from business to to entertainment and started to really open up that it was like he did the same thing that Jordan did in the first half, but he was going to go like the LeBron second half. And I think yep. people look at LeBron now and go, dude, you can do more of that stuff in the second half right now, just crank because the window is like three more years. Yeah, And I really think that it, it – I, the more and more I think about it, 20 years from now, if Kobe kept doing it, we would have looked back and been like, Kobe is doing this fucking perfectly. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I'm also thinking. About. He still changed the game, though, I think, in the sense that, like, he, there was times where, you know, I remember as a young sports fan, my dad would be like, watch this, you have to watch this Kobe interview. I go, I'm not, I don't want to watch the interview. I want to watch the highlights. I want to watch, he goes, watch this. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, he's speaking Spanish. And he's like, yeah exactly this guy yeah. is taking it to another level and i think his global tour and his impact on the game globally i think he changed the game still on so sad obviously what happened um but in a short time he changed the game and i think it's going to impact will, players for kobe, years to come to allow him to be more than just so the kobe, athlete 
apparently Kobe used to talk about dying young a lot, yeah, which I'm very that. fascinated by because I do, I do read a lot of stuff about stoic philosophy and a lot of philosophers. So much of what they talk about is like, not just being okay with death, but like thinking about your death because it's a way of like appreciating life more when like, you're not only not afraid of death, you're more like, I'm actually right now getting closer and closer to death every day. Yeah. It's a really dark thing to say, but like the more you realize that that's happening, the more you'll live your life now. Mm -hmm. And there is also something very interesting about people dying young. Like Kurt Cobain and Nirvana's music will let last that much longer because he died at 27. Yeah. And the fact that Kobe died, I think, and a lot like Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle, yep. their messages become so Tupac becomes so much more fortified because we we say to ourselves, what could they have accomplished? We see where they were going, and there's no more there's no more faults, there's no more mistakes. They kind of get more perfect in our minds because they left too soon, and so. The thing that I was, ex the, the thing that does make me happy with the Kobe passing, which was so unfortunate and untimely, was that mindset is so prevalent. Like so many athletes I talk to right now are saying mama mentality. Um, but I, I would think I was more impressed with Kobe with his willingness to ask questions. And I, I hope that's a lesson that doesn't go unlearned. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's important. It's important to learn more about the game and for athletes to expand their minds. And we're seeing it with LeBron. Like, obviously, you know, we could say it would be great for LeBron to focus a bit more on the court, even though he's leading the league in assists at 35. Oh, which he's is, amazing. Which is ridiculous. Um, but, you know, having that mentality on the court, but also allowing yourself to expand and do more things and be open and cool. Like, I think what Serge Ibaka is done doing on Bleach Report was great, you know, like allowing himself to, yeah, interview guys. And especially because he's not like English isn't his first language type of deal. And he's allowing to expand himself and know that it's okay and, and be prevalent in that voice. I think Kobe, a guy like Kobe really, you know, where Michael kind of closed things off, opened things for guys like that to kind of do their thing, which is great to it's see. The, yeah. uh, Josh is our big WWE fan and I've becoming no. a, I'm becoming an appreciator of it. So I guess Josh to crossboard it. We love to make crossboard comparisons where Jordan was a heel and it will remain a heel. Kobe was healed face turn after wow after i'm he, so uh, proud of you dude retired. is so that a, is that a decent <laughs> that comparison was great. and you used all the thank terminology you. man that was thank amazing you, thank you yeah yeah i'm trying to think who was like a very famous heel that that became positive like a batista edge or like a randy edge Orton. bro he's edge man like he's a heel everyone edge. can't stand him and then next thing you know boom He's a, he's a, now he's a face. Like everyone loves him. And when he came back, yeah, that was for the me, I guess Jordan, Jordan's a little bit like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Where, you know, he's Mr. America and all that. And then he joins NWO and it's like, screw everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. yeah. LeBron, the, LeBron's like the rock then. Yeah, it's just totally, the, the just one thing LeBron. LeBron has, LeBron, rock has never been a heel. But the Never. decision, the decision tainted it for me. Like I just, if that was out of the picture, nah. LeBron would be the hero of the NBA. Fuck that. I think. I disagree. No? You disagree? Oh please. Yes. Let's hear this. I love this. Okay. Number one, it wasn't LeBron's idea. Jim Gray approached him and said, "Why don't you do this on national TV? You will raise a million dollars for the Boys and Girls Club of America, right? And all you're going to do is say where you're going, and we'll put we'll put all the kids behind you." So this man went on TV 
with all those kids said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And, and then all of a sudden it became, it's about me, it's about me. He didn't set up those cameras. He didn't lay those wires. He didn't turn on those lights. He didn't broadcast it. He didn't do, like, for me, it's, it's Kevin Durant put out an article with a logo on and it served nobody. Like we have guys leave. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. He didn't give a million dollars to Boys and Girls Club. I just, I think, I, I think that he tried to do something positive. And I think he, Cleveland was in such a spot where they're so emotionally fragile. Yeah. Um, because look, I'm, I'm a Philly fan. And before we won the World Series and then the Super Bowl and all that, like, if you would have said anything, like, we would have fought you. And that's how Cleveland is. I dated yeah. a girl from Cleveland. Like, that's – you insult <laughs> – you could insult – you could be like, there's a lot of traffic in Cleveland. But fuck you. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> they can well, insult had, themselves. They can insult had, themselves, but we can't. <laughs> we had Craig Elo on, and, I mean, that's, like, late 80s, and that was, like, the last time that they had really had a team that was super right. competitive. Right. Like, it's been, it's been such a long time, and with the Indians as well. Like So my yeah. thing is – when I look back at decisions, not just the decision, but people's decisions, I look at the intent. What were they trying to do? And for me, LeBron was trying to make a selfish decision, universal helping people. Yeah, and I sorry. think that now we just, we weren't at a stage where like stars were leaving teams like that, you know, like the Pistons were together forever and those Celtics teams were together forever and all that. But like, you know, I just I think LeBron kind of blazed that trail a little bit, but I don't I don't fault him for that. I if I'm blaming anyone, I'm blaming Jim Gray. I'm yeah. I'm picking Jim that's Gray because he started that's the fair. whole thing. And I and yeah, I, that's fair. I think it's more of like from my perspective, like and doing the research. Anyone that does the research on the decision figures that stuff out about the intent behind it. But yeah. it's still whether they've done the research or not, like most people kind of look at LeBron. I also think like as a, that was peak first take. Like that was yeah. like that wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman. That was like yeah. Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless with Jay Crawford in the middle, where it was like, "This is the debate," and like yeah. it, we still thought that that show was real, and now like we all see through it. But I, I just feel like it was <laughs> Tebow and the decision, and that it just took on a mind of its own. Uh, Tebow mania was something else. Yeah, almost as good as Lynn Sanity, honestly, which was, I think, even, <laughs> I as, a, even, even as a Celtics fan, that to me was awesome. That was so peak. So good. But even like LeBron, like, yeah, he quote unquote started, but I, I, yeah, as a Celtics fan, like, I can't look at, you know, KG coming over. I can't look at Ray coming over and be like, oh, yeah. you know what? That wasn't purely selfish decision. Like, yeah, like, they wanted to get the hell out of Seattle and Minnesota and go play for, a, a, you know, a winning culture. You know, you can't really yeah. fault a guy, especially when Bosch takes that kind of pay cut. Like, dude, I didn't get mad at crazy. Durant. I didn't get crazy. mad at Durant. Look, if we're little, playing pickup, if, if we're playing pickup ball, you three are my team. We got one other dude, and we get smoked by a team. And then one of the guys goes, dudes, I got to bounce. And they look over at us, and they say, one of y'all want a ball with us? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm going to that team. I'm trying to play. <laughs> I'm here to play for four more times. I didn't come to the court to play once, then lose. Yeah. So I don't I don't blame it. Like, if I'm, if I'm Kevin Durant and I'm coming up in this time where everyone, they're watching these shows. Kobe's got five. Jordan's got six. Durant's like, I got fucking nothing. So yeah. let me go grab two yeah. so I can get talked about like I, this, this whole thing where, where everybody likes to look and put asterisks and stuff. It's like, 
you know what? In 15, 20 years, we're going to look back and we're going to go, Durant, two or three time NBA champ. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if he would have, if he was where Chris Paul is right now, Chris Paul never even been doing a finals. Like, I don't know, man. I'd rather have the fucking titles. I just would. At this point, with if you're the beard, you're Russ. I mean, yeah, I guess you got to take it. And we could say this though: he did win back-to-back Finals MVPs. Like he was the best player yeah. on the court. It was Kevin Durant. He hit the shot over LeBron in his face That's to like end the, that series. That's like the iciest shot I've ever seen. Yeah, dude, he's so he's 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 a cold killer. Almost as icy as his he, performance he at the Rucker, which is my favorite internet video. Kevin Durant at Rucker Park. There is a moment in there where he goes up and down the court five times and hits like five threes in a row. <sighs> and the people are rushing on the going court. Going and I think nuts. he drops yeah. 63. Yeah. To me, it, that's like my favorite internet video. He's just a baller. Uh, before we let you rock, man, a couple more things for you. One, we ask everybody this. We got to know your favorite sports memory. It could be you growing up watching as a fan. It could be you experiencing it. It could be you catching that 56-mile-per-hour fastball from Mohamed Sanu, which, by the way, without gloves, mm. was wicked impressive. Um, and it. I would say it could Sneaky be you. athletic. I, I would say it could be you getting that tattoo because I'm rooting for Rager, but that hasn't happened yet. So your yeah. favorite sports memory. My favorite accomplishment, I won a 61-team beer pong tournament. That's a sport to me. Wow. Uh, I won a free trip That's impressive. Uh, to uh, Miami, which Whoa. was cool, in college. Um, they did that? I would cool. say my – yeah, that was a big – I mean, I was, I was lights out. I could not <laughs> um, Shout out to, to Peckalus, my partner. But I would say my favorite moment, the one that popped in my head when you said that, was uh, 4th and twenty six. Uh, Eagles against the Packers, divisional round playoff game. The game is over. The Eagles, I mean, all we do is lose in the playoffs at this point of the 2000s. And and I remember being on the edge of my bed, holding a pillow, and I prayed. And as I said, amen, Donald McNabb threw it across the middle to Freddie Mitchell and picked up a fourth and 26. They finished the drive. David Akers kicks the field goal. We win and I, that was the first time where I was like, God is really real. Yeah. Like I was like, prayer is a thing. I started praying all the time. Like there, there was something about being on the other side of it. Whereas an Eagles fan, we lost to the Bucks in the championship game and to the Panthers and to the Rams and to be on the other side. That was like, I mean, at that point as a Philly fan, I didn't think we could do anything. And that mm-hmm. gave me a lot of hope. That was the first one that popped in my head. Yeah, man, because the Sixers did everything they could. I mean, they put a pitiful team around AI, which has got to be one of the worst teams ever taken to the tough. finals. Yeah, and then yeah. at that point, oh, well, Theo, Theo Ratliff's a good two, man. What are you talking about? Jesus, what are you bro, talking about? We traded him halfway through the year for Kemi <laughs> Matumbo that year. Yeah, George Lynch and, and Eric and, Snow. And George Lynch and Eric Snow were like the two and three. Aaron McKee. Like, uh, Aaron, Aaron McKee, McKee was the guy, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. McKee was nice. Yeah, he but, was nice. You, you but there say, was nobody yeah. better to give Iverson a hug than Matt Geiger, which oh, he was like, in man. the Last Dance on those Charlotte teams. Yeah, uh, and I was like fucking bald headed biker gang Matt Geiger. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so let's get some takes from you right here because that's what real quick. I want. I want to go yeah, back please, to the beer pump thing real quick. Real quickly. You ever played beer pong with any any athletes? Yes. Who's the best uh, one? Ke- Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. And we we started running, and then 
the problem is, is my fiance does not like beer games. So like, as soon as I start playing them, she's like, I'm ready to leave. So I have to like schedule time because I get very intense. And then I'm like, I've won six games in a row. I'm on a streak. Like I'm on a heat. Yeah. Yeah. Like I spit on the ground. Like when I'm really focused, like I'm like, I'll like spit and then I'll stare. And then people get like really unnerved by it. Like I take it <laughs> in public, man. Yeah. That's, that, that's a great one. I get into fights. It's not good. Ooh. My best partner was Miles Turner. That's it. That's all I got to say. Nice. Oh, yeah. you had Legend. him in college. That's... Top five running back this year. Yeah. Hey, what was the guy's name that won the 61 game tournament with you? What was me the and uh, Scott Pekulis. Yeah. It's a Greek guy. No, it's no a, surprise. There, there you go. Toss your Greek no, guy. Right no there. Surprise there. <laughs> all right. Real quick before you let your rock left go. NFL. Okay, give me a surprise team you think could come out of the AFC and a surprise team you think could come out of the NFC. We all know about the Chiefs, you know about the Niners. But oh, surprise. to the Super Bowl. To the Super Bowl, baby. Shock me right here. Okay. Surprise teams. The, 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 I'll say this. The, the, the two teams that I think are maybe surprises for the playoffs are the Denver Broncos, and I think people are very much sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, I just think on. that... Their defense was top two in the NFL last year. No one's talking about it. And they played with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like, <laughs> Big Garbage, Ben is going to yeah. be better than them. Yeah. You know? Um, so, and I and I also could see the Ravens not being as good next year. And the Browns, you know, still time to tell. But I think the team that I could see the surprise if it's not the Chiefs or the Ravens, I am buying the Bills. I, I think that the Bills are built the right way. Um, I think that the Bills, what they did was they've loaded up in the trenches, offensive line and defensive line. They have a very solid two deep. And in my mind, having really focused on the NFL for this long, the teams that have depth sustain injuries and they battle back. That's why the Patriots, they could lose their left tackle and they're always ready because they keep a lot of depth there. Yeah. And they're built to run and and to not make Josh have to make that many throws, and with Diggs, I think they I think they have the pieces. Mm. Uh, so I think the Bills could be my surprise NFC team, AFC team, in the NFC. Um, I, there are teams like the Cardinals that are very fun, but if I had to pick a team to go to the Super Bowl, but, but I'm just telling you, my Super Bowl team is the Saints. I think they're winning the Super Bowl. I just think the stories have lined up. I think they have the best roster in the NFL by far. I think this is Drew Brees' swan song. Like, I just think they're the best team, and I think they're going to go. If I had to pick a surprise, I'm going to – I'll say the Cowboys. I'll say the Cowboys. They go chronically chronically really good, and then eight and eight. And that was their eight and eight. Yeah. And so – um, there is a lot of continuity. The coaching staff is back. The offensive line other than Travis Frederick is there. They got another weapon. Like Zeke is listening. Everyone say he's not a top five guy. Um, and I think that they had a really, really good draft. I hate saying it because I'm an Eagles fan, but the Cowboys to me are that like team that you circle on the team and then they go, they have all the pieces. Yeah. But I would go, I do think the Saints are winning the Super Bowl. I'll say that in May. All right, we'll take that. Lefko, man, you are the man. We thank you for giving us this Pleasure, time guys. today. Thank you so much. And yeah. we'll chat soon, brother. Take care, all right? Enjoy New York for us. By the way, yeah. when I went to the charity stripe, my free throw routine, it was oh, please. one, two, three, spin, settle, up, thwap. I don't know if that's a thing you do, but that's what I do at the charity no, stripe. No, but we should. I was three right dribbles, spin, catch, 
two more right dribbles shot. See, I always J- fucked up those two dribbles. That's what, that's what JJ Reddick. That's foot. what JJ Reddick did, and that's why I did it in I, college. And I was like, that guy is a ninety percent free throw shooter. He must be doing something right. Did you know that JJ Reddick's original family name was Reddickopolis? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, wish his face. Yeah, you had him. You had him so good. Yeah, you you wish like a little bit. That's cruel. That's, That's cruel. great, man. Lefka, you're the man, <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. All right. Take Thank care, you. boss. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. I told you it'd be a great show, and guess what? It was a great show. Can't thank Lefko enough for giving us his time and his insight. Uh, crazy, wild coming up story. Uh, we obviously love to hear those. And thanks. What a what a little ditty for him to throw in how he does his free throw. So on point. You know, we haven't had that happen yet. So that was a great little, you know, way to kind of button it, tie the ribbon on the show. Um, but we had a great time. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, one of the best we've had in a long time, if not ever, in the entire history of the Charity Stripe. Um, and, yeah, just a friendly reminder to you guys. Uh, we're brought to you by betonline.ag still. We love our friends at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag, and whatever you deposit, they'll match as a gift. I mean, come on. Who can beat that? Up to, like, $1,000. Bet on futures, you know? NHL's coming back. NBA is going to come back. MLB, I don't know. Um, but NFL will be back shortly, and hopefully college football um, will be back as well. And then you can bet on the futures, and then you'll be able to bet on a whole lot more. So get an account, get the money in there, and go to the online casino and just start winning some money for the people and yourself. We could all use a little cash flow right now. Can't hurt. Good news, though. Great news, actually. Our next guest, Drew Pomerantz, pitcher, San Diego Padres. Get excited for that one. Another great show for you guys. Until then... The fans out there drag both feet inbound, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, and hit your free throws. Why? Because they are free. We out you. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.